Welcome to the Happy Saver podcast. I'm Ruth, a blogger on personal finance in New Zealand. And on this podcast, I tell the stories of Kiwis and their experiences with the money in their lives. You will hear helpful, relatable stories from Kiwis who are giving their tips and point of view on personal finance right here in New Zealand. Personal finance is indeed deeply personal. I first heard from Aaron when he emailed me with a couple of money questions and after a bit of back and forth, I began to learn a bit about his situation. His emails were littered with quite a bit of information about him and his wife Shannon, also quite a few swear words, some of which I'll use today, and a lot of laughter. You know when people write something and then they write ha 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 after it, well that's how he writes. He never said lol though, he's just not that type of bloke. So he came across as quite a hard case, a kind of salt of the earth and tell it how it is kind of Kiwi bloke who could probably fix his own car and is then well-rounded enough to offer to help an elderly neighbour stock up their woodpile. And I just got the feeling that he is a kind person and he would be well worth having a chat to. But before I begin, I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about Hatch, today's sponsor. I'm excited to have Hatch supporting today's episode because, for the first time, they make investing in the world's most recognisable companies and funds easy and affordable. Hatch is Kiwi Wealth's digital investing platform. As part of the Kiwi Group family, they are 100% Kiwi owned and are committed to helping Kiwis live their best lives. Hatch can help you build your own personalised investment portfolios packed with the things you care about. It's smart to invest regularly for your future and now is as good a time as any to start. But knowledge is power, so kick off your investing journey with the Hatch Getting Started course. The Getting Started course can give you the confidence to invest when you're ready. Daily emails will teach you everything you need to know to buy your first shares on the US share markets and best of all, it's free. To learn more, head to hatch.as forward slash the happy saver start investing. Aaron is 29 and Shannon 27 and they have a six-month-old baby and they are living happily in Tuakau, which is just south of Auckland apparently. It's close enough to the big city to be useful, but not close enough to have to live there, he said. Aaron grew up in this area with his dad working at the nearby steel mill in Glenbrook and although she didn't have to, he said his mum always worked too, mostly in retail. Growing up, he said he was never taught about money as such and while he mostly always had what he needed, Except for the year when he recalls money must have been pretty tight and he never got a birthday present, he certainly never got everything he wanted. He recalls in the early 2000s his hard-working parents sinking their money and the bank's money into buying three rental properties and also building one, making four in total. They were in the area that they already lived in and Aaron remembers helping out to fix them up over the years and he remembers that in 0708 the values of these properties went down to such a point that they were underwater on them, meaning that they owed more than what they were actually worth. It was around this time that Aaron's paternal grandmother passed away in Australia and it was a real struggle to get the money together for his dad to get over there to pay his last respects. Today his dad still works full-time, clocking up over 30 years with the same employer, and he and Aaron's mum are currently in the process of selling a property and making their way out of the rental game because he wants to retire and selling these houses will give them the cash that they need. Apparently he has been threatening to retire for a number of years, so the fact that their plans to sell may be held up at the moment given the coronavirus and the uncertainty around the housing market 
It might be an okay thing after all because he can keep working his day job in the meantime. Aaron must have always had his radar up in regards to money though, as he recalls thinking while watching the death of his grandmother unfold and the struggle to afford to go to her, why does it have to be so hard? Why is there no money available? Although he appreciated what he was given and what he did have, he also wondered why they didn't appear to have that much given how much property they owned. Aaron got his first job when he was 15, working in his local countdown supermarket after school a couple of days a week. Now Aaron is a true grafter and he's always wanted to work, picking up extra shifts wherever and whenever possible and it does not seem to be something that his parents had to drill into him. He's just a really hard worker which I would imagine would make him an asset to any employer. He said of school that he enjoyed it, except English, which was the bane of his life, and he was part of the Young Enterprise Scheme in his final two years of high school, and that got him interested in running a business. The careers advisor at school advised him to try out university and combine that interest with his love of sports, so once he finished high school, he went out to Auckland to study sports management and marketing. In 2009, just before he set off to study, he said that Shannon, who was still at high school, noticed him at work at Countdown. She was working on checkout, so she had plenty of time to gaze at him, he said. Now, I didn't get to talk to Shannon during our chat as she was with their baby, but I would imagine she was rolling her eyes listening to this bit, although I didn't hear her refute it either. Now, when she finished high school, she also went up to Auckland and started a science degree. They both transferred up there with Countdown and they both worked as they studied and Aaron kept a pretty close eye on his finances, which I would think would be a rare quality in a young guy. He said he was living on the bones of his ass, as you do when you are a student, and he was accounting for every dollar spent. He told me of one instance when he had done a grocery shop, but he was uncertain if he had enough in his account to pay for it when he got to the checkout, but he swiped his card to pay anyway and it was his lucky day. The payment went through, and he was thinking to himself that he must have only had a couple of cents left in his bank account now. But when he got home and checked his account, because this is just before banking on our phones became a thing, he discovered that his hunch was actually correct, and that he didn't have enough in his bank, but they had put him into overdraft by $6, and they had charged him a $6 fee. Well, he charged into his bank immediately and asked that they waive that fee and he transferred some money across from his savings account to clear the $6. Apparently the bank had given him the facility to go into debt up to $100, something he never knew about, but he was pretty angry about this and told them to take that facility away. Now, while many would chalk this up to experience and many would also then feel that they had a backstop if caught short, Aaron, on the other hand, showed his true colours. He hates debt and always has, and even as a young guy, he has always avoided it. Although he was enjoying his course and got to be part of some pretty big sporting events that he and his fellow students helped to organise, he noticed that most of the work that was on offer for graduates was always volunteer-based and unpaid, so he knew that it was going to be pretty hard to get into a paying job. Even when a job did come up, there were so many people vying for it that he could see it was going to be hard to secure one and this made him really question the sports industry. And that was why, when he was just two papers away from finishing his degree, and the countdown store back at home offered him a full-time role, he decided to take it and finish his degree by correspondence. He had a lot of leave owing through work, and he worked out a plan to study while working. But unfortunately, at that stage, the university would not let him do distance learning, so his degree remains unfinished to this day. 
And it's such a shame because I'm sure that today, with the move to online learning, it could have been worked out. Shannon completed one year of her degree and decided that it was not for her, as she was not enjoying the course, so she returned back home to her job at Countdown as well. I think it's great that she gave it a try though. Unfortunately, when she did, it was not fee-free like the first year of university is now. I think that today's first year free scheme is such a great scheme for young people to try out a possible career without coming out with debt. If they like it, they can stay and pay. If it's not for them, they can take the skills they learned in that year and apply them to a job somewhere else. Although Aaron is against debt, he has taken it on at various times and both of them got student loans while they studied. Hers was about $4,000 and his came to about $13,000. But as soon as they were working, they aggressively paid these debts off, despite the commonly held view in New Zealand that many have that student loan debt is interest-free here, so why would you even bother to pay it off at any more than the minimum? He just didn't see it that way and he said that after watching his parents in 2008 struggle with all the debt they had on their houses, he decided that he always wanted to be in control of money, plus he has scruples and decided that he borrowed the money so he should pay it back because at the end of the day he still owed somebody something and in this case it was the government. He considers taking on a student loan as his greatest financial flop but he would not change anything about going to university as he enjoyed it when he was there, but the debt was a big burden. But still, society kept trying to pull him into debt. He recalled that when he went ring shopping as he was getting ready to propose to Shannon, he sounded like a bit of a romantic to me, he found the perfect ring at the jewellery store. It was a Monday when he went in and he knew that he didn't have enough to buy it today, but that by Thursday his pay would have come in which would then finish off the amount that he was saving for the ring and it would give him enough to pay cash. But the salesperson pressured him into buying it today while the item was on sale or he would miss out on this cracking deal. So he was pretty quickly offered a finance package which he signed up, thereby taking on the worst kind of debt there is, consumer debt. After leaving the store, this did not sit well with Aaron and when Thursday rolled around, and he was paid from work, he went back in and he paid for the ring in full. The store was a bit gobsmacked as they had not even had the chance to complete all the paperwork yet. When he and Shannon bought their first car together in 2012, they did take on some lending from a family member, but they paid them back in full within nine months. They drive the same car today, a Suzuki Swift. It's a car that features in a few of these podcasts as being cheap to buy, cheap to run, and reliable. So take note. Even while borrowing money from a family member, in the back of his mind was always the inkling that debt was no good. He knew that you could use debt to get what you wanted, but that it was a bad idea to let debt use you because it has the ability to just sap away your cash flow. And even though he and his wife have a mortgage today, which he can accept and he does not have to stress about, it still does not sit well with him. Over the years, Aaron has worked a couple of jobs after leaving Countdown, but since February 2019, he joined his dad at the steel mill. It's pretty rare to hear of this happening, at least in my world, but he said that seeing his dad has always seemed to enjoy his job, it meant that he always wanted to work there if the possibility came up. It helps too that it's known as a well-paid job. After getting his foot in the door in a part-time job in a different part of the mill, He has worked his way into working full-time as a dump truck operator there, something I can relate to as little-known fact. I used to be a dump truck driver myself, which I think is why I related to his kind of personality and level of bad language, which is perfectly acceptable in that career. 
Shannon, on the other hand, went to work in an administration role for a large car dealership, and that was where she was working up until having their baby. I like the fact that although he probably needed full-time work, he took a part-time role to get himself a start with the company that he wanted to work for. This gave him time to prove his worth, and when a full-time job was available, he got it. Like I mentioned, Aaron is a hard worker who is good at looking for opportunities, and he said that he has always been someone who looks for overtime hours to work because you can make more money that way. And in his younger 20s and during his time at university, he was always looking for extra hours. But he said that while the two of them got better and better at always saving up and paying cash for the things they wanted to buy, they never thought about saving for their future or for their retirement. They would save for a holiday and pay cash for it, but they would then come home to a really low bank account and no other savings, but they would then start saving up for the next thing. There was never a rainy day fund, and although they were paying cash for the things they wanted, they were always living in the moment and not thinking to the future. He did manage to start one investment early in his career, and that was to join KiwiSaver. He joined it early, but he stopped it while he was at university, as he just could not afford it. He knew money would be tight, and he knew he needed anything he could get his hands on at that time. Shannon also joined up when she was an employee too. They reached a point in 2015 where it was time to start looking at houses, taking various family members with them who had house buying and building skills. But because they had always lived day to day, always paid cash, so had no debt, they had failed to save for the future, and that meant a house deposit. At the ages of 25 and 23, they found a house for $300,000, signed it up, and moved in with Shannon's dad for a short stint until the house sale went through. They pulled out the funds meant for retirement from their Kiwi Savers. Aaron's parents said that they would go guarantor, plus they would loan them the rest to make up the 20% deposit, meaning that all up, they would be almost 100% leveraged. He had done up a budget to show his parents that it was a viable option, and that through their jobs they could make the ongoing necessary payments. However, fate was to intervene. They decided that as well as a limb, a builder's report, and an electrical inspection, that they would get a methamphetamine test done on the property, just as a precaution, as their real estate agent suggested that it was a good idea. To everyone's great surprise, including the agent, who although he had always suggested the test, had never had a positive result, it came back positive for methamphetamine contamination. What happens now was the question on everyone's lips. The finance was in place and they were literally hours away from signing to become the owners when this test came back positive and the bank immediately backpedaled and the lawyers and the real estate agents were all in limbo about how to proceed. They ended up having to stay at Shannon's dad's, not for the couple of weeks they had planned, but for eight long months while this was sorted out. Basically, the house got a full internal refit with everything that was contaminated being ripped out and replaced. It was then retested and it came back negative. Once it was all completed, they still wanted the house, so they went back to their bank, which was ASB, because they'd banked with them all their lives, but they were still not happy with the house. Even though it had a complete refurb, the bank only saw it as a meth house. A family member suggested a different bank, so they asked their mortgage broker to look around and try ANZ. Because the house was now clean and clear of any contamination, he said that they were not obligated to notify the bank of this, and before long, they went unconditional on the house, meaning they now had to proceed with the sale. 
But in another twist of fate, when the final bank paperwork was about to be completed, a chance comment from a professional involved in the process highlighted the fact that this had formerly been a meth house. ANZ immediately said, no way, the deal's off, we cannot proceed. But they were already unconditional by this point, with no lending in place. What a mess. They were already well out of pocket for all the services they had engaged, like the LIM, the Builder's Report, an electrical report, evaluation and lawyer's fees, not to mention the cost of the meth test. Now this meant they had to buy their way out of the contract and walk away from the house that they actually still wanted even after all this time. All up, he estimated it cost them about $12,000 to walk away. From the money they had saved, they paid cash for these bills, but still, it was six months of working and saving, and that money was going straight down the plug hole, and that has to hurt. Aaron said that the learning he took from this experience was huge, with one of the key things being that he would not recommend anyone buy a house without having a meth test done first. So they stayed with Shannon's dad a little while longer just to get back on their feet again, and this included saving up for a cheap holiday, just to the Gold Coast, just to get away because they needed a break to get over the last eight months of waiting and torture. But from this point on, they decided that they needed to be able to save and handle their money better. They found a house for just the two of them to rent and he took the budget he had made when trying to buy the first house and they started to focus a lot more on their finances. Having decided to get married in 2017, they set about saving up so they could pay cash for their $15,000 wedding and after that, they saved up another $10,000 with the plan being to go on a Kentucky tour in Europe. But his parents suggested that they revisit their plans to buy a house instead. So they had a look around and by now the house prices in their area had continued to rise and their deposit to get into the market fell short as they could only pull $54,000 combined from their KiwiSaver funds. He said that they had saved hard into their KiwiSaver for their first home but had failed to save outside of that with just normal savings because each time they did build up a cash buffer it was constantly being used. So this time his parents stepped in again and said We want to do something for you as you might not get an inheritance one day. We would like to give you $100,000 as a gift, no paybacks required. His parents reasoned that they wanted to see their happiness now and not after they were gone, which is an amazing gesture. So after a thorough search, they purchased a house, a three-bed, one-bathroom house on a big 1,000-square-metre section with a mortgage of $440,000 in 2017 with ASB as their lender. As they settled into managing a mortgage which they had split into two loans, they stepped up their payments, just by an additional $50 a week per loan, and he went on with his careful budgeting. Now part of this was wanting to put some money aside, somewhere separate, that he could not easily access and spend. So in 2017 he started to think, what investments are there? And he stumbled upon Craig's investment, My Start, and began to invest $100 a month, and it was to be their rainy day fund. Although it never had a specific purpose as such, he figured that one day they might need it because it might be raining and it might come in handy. And at just $25 a week or $100 a month, it was money that he never missed transferring into his investment and he never missed the money that left his bank account. He invested into a high growth fund and was aware of their fees of about 1.5%, although he was unaware that in the personal finance space this is considered very high but he reasoned that he gave them his money and they did something with it. 
and prior to finding them he had always wanted to invest in shares but never knew how to do it, ending up instead on the daunting ASB Securities website which made the stock market look like a big thing a normal person just could not get into. But then he heard about sharesies. So after two and a quarter years or 28 months, he decided to pull out the $3,200 that had built up in there, which included his return of $400, which he said that even then he was thinking that's not a lot to gain over that length of time. He said although the low return surprised him, he was impressed that he did a steady $100 a month investment on an automatic payment over that length of time. So he was starting to learn the lesson of slow and steady investment over a long period of time. So he pulled his 3200 out from Craig's Investments in December 2019 and invested it instead with Sharesies, a platform with a much lower fee structure. It felt to him like a lot of money to put into the share market, but he went about investing in things that interested him. Plus, he did what many investors tend to do, he purchased too many things. He bought into the Australian Property Fund, the New Zealand Property Fund, Australia Resources Fund, which is mining, New Zealand Top 50, New Zealand Top 10, New Zealand Dividend Fund, and the US Large Growth Fund. Now, the idea of index funds is to buy the whole share market, that is, a broad-based index. So he is aware that he has doubled up quite a bit here by having so many index funds in his portfolio. Now, given the share market drop of March-April this year, 2020, When we spoke in early April, his portfolio was down 16.9%, he said, but he was now putting $35 a week in so he can take advantage of low market prices at the moment. And when I asked him what he would do if he were given $10,000 right now, he said that he would invest the lot into his index funds. He would love to see the gains he could get five years from now and this money could be turned into a pretty epic trip to Europe, he thought. My thinking was that I would hope that by that time he would have decided to just leave the money invested permanently and would have saved for this epic Europe trip elsewhere. He didn't stop there either and he has dabbled literally with just pocket change left over from the weekly allowance he gives himself. They each get $50 a week to use in whatever the way they wish. Um, He's invested in a few individual companies like Air New Zealand, New Zealand King Salmon, Tourism Holdings and New Zealand Wind Farms. And just a side note here, because I'm sure the purchase of it comes out of this allowance, the most extravagant thing he has purchased for himself in the last 90 days, to the tune of about $160, is a Gold Coast Titans jersey, as that's the league team he supports. Shannon was not too sure about these investments and didn't want to do it herself, so together they have bought into things that interest them both, and Aaron said it's been an excellent lesson for them to go through these volatile times. For example, on March the 23rd, his portfolio value was down $1,251, pretty much one third, and he thought, oh well, that's disappointing, but oh well. He sees this as money already spent, which does not matter, and he sees it as a good hobby. Now, I would encourage him to see it a little differently than that, not as if you lose it, it was a gamble you took, but instead as money invested in a range of fantastic companies that have taken a bit of a blow at the moment. But over time, most will come back and Aaron and Shannon will get to enjoy this rise when they do. In the meantime, if he keeps investing on a weekly basis and dollar cost averaging his money in, he will share in their success. And because they've always been so solid at saving up and paying cash for the things they want, he should instead look at his investments into these funds and shares and also his KiwiSaver as saving up for a goal you want to pay cash for, which is also known as retirement.
It's great that when he saw the drop, he didn't sell. The worst thing he could do. And for many people, this market drop has been an excellent education in how to handle market volatility and finding the discipline to stay the course. And I hope that in 10 years' time, when his balance is 10 times what it is today, that they feel equally indifferent if and when the market drops again, which it inevitably will at some point. In fact, he has been looking quite closely at his portfolio of shares, the Australian Resources Fund in particular. He noticed the price of it starting to fall, and instead of freaking out, he instead thought, this is going on special, so he wanted to buy. Over the course of a week, he drip-fed in a total of $100 as he was trying to buy the shares at their lowest value, but he failed and he missed the lowest point by four days. He said, and I like this, he learned a lot in a short time about dollar cost averaging and the fact that you can't time the market. He said he was listening to ZB Smart Money Hour and someone said something that stuck with him, that if you had have put $100,000 into the New Zealand Top 50 Index Fund on the worst day in 2008, if you took it out just before all this kicked off with COVID-19, you would have had $212,000. Now, I don't know exactly what was said and how accurate those numbers are, but the gist for Aaron was understanding that you don't need to try to time the market, just invest and leave it the hell alone. Aaron's workplace has its own superannuation scheme. This used to be common in New Zealand, but something I don't hear much about anymore. So as a result, they don't pay into KiwiSaver as they pay into their own fund. However, because he didn't want to miss out on the free government yearly top-ups, they each invest $25 a week so they can receive the top-up each June, which is an excellent call on their part. They have split their funds up with Milford Asset Management to have 60% in an active growth fund and 40% in an aggressive fund, and they plan to keep this arrangement for the next 15 to 20 years. As I said, he also has a superannuation fund via his workplace, and his workplace pay into that. With his work super scheme, for every $1 he contributes, they contribute $2, and he is contributing 5% of his paycheck. Oh, to have an employer who offered me that, right? He said that some old-timers are on a ratio of $1 to $3, Now, in the short time he has been there, his balance is at $14,000 and growing. It comes with strings attached. The thing is that if he leaves within two years, he does not get that employer match, and it's pro rata up to six years. After six years, you get it all. You get your employer match from there on in. Where he works has a union, hence them negotiating good paying conditions for their members, and he said that it's managed through Fisher Funds. He does not like hearing the old-timers at work whine about the rough deal they think they are getting. And he said he shakes his head a bit and thinks that they just don't know what the real world is like out there in New Zealand with quite different pay structures and most would absolutely love to have this kind of employer match into their funds. So safe to say that Aaron is seeing the opportunity for what it is and I love that he is still taking advantage of KiwiSaver as well and taking the additional $521 that the government is giving him each year and he's adding it to his retirement. Having drained his fund to buy a house, he will need to work hard, which he has no trouble doing, to get that fund balance up again. So remember I said how hard he can work if needed? Well, while Shannon was pregnant with their baby, they both realised that they had a window of opportunity to make a real dent in their mortgage, with both of them working full-time. He said he is a big believer in sacrificing now for the future good. At the steel mill, as soon as he works over 40 hours in a week, He gets double time for those extra hours above 40, plus the more hours you do, the more meal allowance money you receive. 
So he thought, shit, I've got a real chance here to go bananas, go bonkers and just work and earn money. Also, each time he got an increase in his hourly rate, they banked it instead of spending it because he recognises that is how lifestyle creep happens as you adjust to a new higher wage each time. Because he had always done their budget, he worked out that if he did more overtime, they could make a weekly mortgage payment of $1,250, doubling their normal payment. He went into the details of the budget, allocating money for phone, for fuel, for rates, for example, just to tell himself that it would work. He didn't want to forget anything. He was thinking it just can't be right, so he even asked his parents and mates what other bills they had in case he was missing something, which was when he realised that these numbers were real. So in a normal week, he would take home about $1,350 for 52 hours of work, and whereas normally he would work 7.30 to 4pm, he instead started at 5am, so he would get overtime every day, and he actually still does this, he starts early, and he would pick up extra hours after 4pm whenever they were available, which was often. The limit he was able to work in a day was 16 hours, and that does not leave (laughs) that much time for sleeping. He managed to work some pretty huge weeks, with his biggest being 73 hours in a six-day week. His base rate is $19 an hour, but because of overtime, meal allowances and what have you, his hourly rate is often up to as high as $28 an hour, and then there is double time, of course. So if you are willing to work overtime, which Aaron always is, the opportunity to earn is there for the taking. So for 22 weeks in 2019, Aaron worked his butt off and Shannon worked her full-time job right up until the birth of their baby in late 2019. They had their mortgage split into two and they paid $7,500 off the principal of what he calls their big one and $12,750 off the principal of what he calls their small one. So that's $20,250 in total or $920 a week as an average. And on top of that, they also saved right up till the week before their baby was born and they saved an additional $12,000 in the bank in the same period of time so that they had a cash buffer and they had a short holiday to Raro. Impressed yet? I certainly was. I wondered what his friends were thinking while this was going on. He said that some of their close friends could understand it entirely, but others didn't. But it's opened up conversations around money with these friends and he has been able to explain what they are doing in the hope of just gently influencing them into being better with money themselves. And he said he's pleased to say that this is working with one friend having a surplus of cash for the first time in his entire life, which he is investing for his future, which is a remarkable turnaround for him. Plus, he got his own mum to sign up to KiwiSaver. No luck with his dad, though, as he has the work pension. But that's a shame, because if he could just find $20 a week to put into KiwiSaver, as long as he is not already 65, he could get himself another few thousand dollars tucked away for his retirement. Aaron's goal is to retire before 50. He has looked around those people that he works with, including his own dad, and thought to himself about the times last year when he worked his tail off and he thought, if I can get my finances under control, I can get out of here by 50, that's in 21 years' time. Now things have quieted down on the work front, with Shannon at home full-time with their baby and him working his 52-ish hours a week, giving that income of about 13.50 a week. I wondered how they handled their monthly expenses now. Well, they have an account called Bills, where money is transferred in each week to cover the usual bills like petrol, phones, power, water, insurance and what have you. 
he said that they always try to have this account sitting at about $5,000, which will cover the annual bills as well. And he said he always has a surplus in there of about $300 to $400 that he could pull out if needed. He said that for them, it's easy to understand. And more importantly, it works for them. And that's the point of budgeting. Do what feels right to you as long as you understand it and it works and it doesn't leave you short and scrounging around for money to top it up. His tip and the reason he has that extra buffer is that he rounds up all his bills so that if a bill is $75, he transfers $80 into the bills account and it just gently builds up over time. Today they have their mortgage down to $380,000. They have managed to knock $60,000 off it in just over two years. It is impossible to really value a house until you sell it, but they said it's roughly worth $560,000, meaning that they now have about $180,000 of equity in it, which is a very sound achievement. It is his goal to be mortgage-free by the time he is 40. Now, once their son was born, they dropped their payments down to $440 a week to fit in with their reduced incomes. But he said that putting those big payments onto the mortgage early in the piece has really cut down the amount of interest that they will be paying in the long run and has given them some breathing space for now. Their intention, once they adjust to being parents, is to get after it again though. And Shannon will return to work at some point, but only when she feels ready to. And when that happens, they will increase their weekly payment amount again. They also still have money set aside, about $18,000, which is partially earmarked for replacing some windows in their home, or maybe as a rainy day fund. But they don't have a pool of money set aside, specifically marked emergency fund as such. We spoke while the country was in lockdown for COVID-19, and he is on call, but mostly at home, and getting paid 80% of a standard weekly pay, and there is obviously no overtime. They are now adjusting their budget to live on $880 a week until things improve. There is also the option of topping up this pay using his annual leave, meaning he will take home a full paycheck. And this is something they are considering as, let's face it, no one is going on holiday anytime soon. So this truck driver and administration worker, now a full-time mum, are tucked up at home and in the words of Aaron, in regards to their money, the current situation is just water off a duck's back. They have cash in the bank, a manageable mortgage, carefully budgeted expenses, and they feel calm and prepared. They are dipping into that $18,000 to the tune of $150 a week, but he knows he could stop this if they were to stop their KiwiSaver and Sharesies investments and get his salary topped up via his annual leave. But he can see how important it is to keep investing while the markets are so low, and once the country starts back up again, It's his intention to put in more hours over the coming winter. His thoughts are actually with the people in his age group who are mortgaged up to the hilt. And although he wishes no one harm or hardship, he does hope that this pandemic gives a few of them a slap on the face and that they wake up and realise that you don't need the new big house, the new car, all the mod cons and the indebted lifestyle that you actually can't afford, that you are actually minding on behalf of the bank or the finance company. Watching his parents struggle under such a huge load of debt all those years ago has always stayed with him and he said that the thought of having no financial buffer or backstop would just scare the shit out of him and it should do the same for others. But instead, those people are rushing to their banker for a mortgage holiday. He commented that a lot of people his age think they need a new car and he asks, why can't you be happy with less and be content with what you have? 
He said in one of his emails to me that for me, my priority is making sure that Shannon, our baby and myself have enough for today, for the rest of the week and then putting some away for the next month's rain. And then making sure that when Shannon and I are in our 50s and our child is out of home, that we can help him out and that Shannon and my options are aplenty so we don't have to worry. So basically, I'm prioritising our future because I know we have enough for now. We don't need the new house yet because our wee fella will just draw all over the walls at some point. We don't need the new car either because he'll probably get car sick in it. And these are all things that Shannon and I can enjoy in our prosperous future. One day, they will have a nicer house and a nicer car, but for now, this works, they have enough, and they are content. They know that they can look after themselves for a long time before they would ever have to go cap in hand to the bank, and that's a very strong position to be in. I asked him at this point what his money elevator pitch was, or a sentence that would sum up his approach to money, and he said to do the hard yards while you are young, because it gives you so many options when you are older, and you can enjoy life more then. Little things add up over time, whether that be debt reduction or an investment into your retirement fund. He said to you and I, if most of us dig deep, we can find $25 a week to invest and that we should make sure we do this because little amounts add up so quickly that you would be surprised. Now, Aaron's relationship with money has been a slow burn. He had some good habits in place early on, like his aversion to debt, but it's been a little bumpy over the years. So, I'd probably call it a gradual awakening that is ongoing. He said that his biggest financial triumph is probably buying their house and learning the skill, and it is a skill, of delayed gratification, going without a few things today so that he can plan and save for their future 20, 30, 40 years away from today. Learning to invest more recently is a huge triumph as well. Next I asked him what are his three main financial habits, the things that he and Shannon just automatically do. Number one, well, they look forward to payday, but for different reasons to others, he thinks. Knowing that all the bills are covered and that they still have some debt left over to invest makes him feel in control of his money. He gets excited by bills coming in. Yep, you heard me right. As he can play with them on a spreadsheet, he looks closely at every single one and has an eye on every dollar. And every dollar has a purpose and there is some money set aside in a rainy day fund of sorts for when the shit hits the fan like it did a few weeks ago. Number two, he finds huge satisfaction in saving up for something, like a laptop, paying for it in cash and then getting to walk into the store and buy it because he has taught himself to plan ahead for things. Number three, they always cook to a meal plan and they take turnabout each week creating it. They always shop off a list to a budget of $200 and then they take turns cooking. They buy meat in bulk on a couple of occasions a year. They also use the Pack and Save Christmas Club They don't shop with Countdown, funny enough. Um, They just put a little on it each week and they do a big shop around Christmas and they stock up on the staples such as toilet paper, which they will then use throughout the year. He stocked up on toilet paper before it was even a thing and when we spoke he said he had 150 rolls currently sitting in the garage. Now he has found it a good habit to get into, buying the staples in bulk to last into the year. He has a few recommendations for us in regards to books and podcasts, a couple of Kiwi ones too, which is great. The Perfect Balance by Hannah McQueen. He has also read a few of her other books and he finds them useful. Rich Enough by Mary Holm and Playing With Fire by Scott Rikens, which I can see why it appealed because Aaron and Scott are similar ages. And he likes a couple of podcasts too. Cooking the Books. Uh, He said that she released one on April the 7th. 
that was particularly good as she spoke with Hannah McQueen. Apparently, News Talk ZB do a very good smart money radio show, and Choose FI is a great podcast. My favourite episode, for what it's worth, is one of their very early ones. It was number 19 when they interviewed JL Collins about index fund investing. Now, he also listens to Dave Ramsey just once or twice a month to get a dose of his common sense advice. And he also listens to Listen Money Matters. He said that this one is a blokes doing finance and a beer review. So what more could you ask for? Righto. Now, before I wrap up, I have another quick message from today's sponsor. Thanks again to Hatch for supporting the Happy Saver. They make investing in the world's most recognisable companies and funds easy and affordable. So to kick off your investing journey, head over to hatch.as forward slash the happy saver start investing. When I used to work in the mining industry, I decided that there were two types of workers, both of whom were on the same high incomes. One spent the lot and bought a brand new pimped out ute each year and blew the rest on entertainment and the other saved up and paid cash for what they wanted and invested in income producing assets, both real estate and shares and they also invested for their retirement. These are the blokes I thought of when I was preparing to speak with Aaron. Like the rest of us, he's had a bumpy ride in places, but I think that he now falls firmly into the second category, a careful manager of his and Shannon's money, and I think he will only get sharper at this as time goes on. His aversion to debt from the get-go is something that is just so hard to teach people, but once they work it out, it's so freeing. We pretty much all have to take on a mortgage if we want to buy a house, but getting after it and paying it off as early in life as possible, which is what they are trying to do, is so critical, while still managing to set money aside, hopefully permanently, for their retirement and saving up and paying cash for the things that they want today. I just think that these two have cracked it, and it just shows me, yet again, that you don't have to be on high, high incomes to succeed. You just have to stick to a plan that you have created and always live on less than you make, and with each passing month, you learn just a bit more and just continually try to do better. That's the key. So finally, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to Aaron for speaking with me, and to Shannon for letting him speak on her behalf. All the best guys with your wee baby, he has certainly struck the parent lottery, so enjoy the years ahead. So that's all from me this week. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit subscribe and it will automatically update in your podcast app each time I release a new episode. If you want to get in touch, you can find me at thehappysaver.com and I would love it if you could leave me a five-star rating review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and share it with your friends. Those are the best ways that people can learn about my podcast and I would love it if you would talk more about money with your own friends and help me continue to help others be better with money. So until next time, happy saving.